fallen short. Yet another thrilling episode of Punch Up Your Life. I, as always, continue to be your host, Andrew Lazat. And uh, this is the show where a guest comes in, pitches me their life as if it's a big budget blockbuster Hollywood film. And then we make that film a success and we get into it and we break it down and into the, like, what's it really about? Where's the heart? Where's the connection? Where's the relationship? And uh, this week's episode is uh, Matt Nightingale, who I respect so much uh, as a person, just as a joke writer, Um, you know, uh, just one of those people that really sets a bar for me, um, which is also a little bit weird to say because we started comedy around the same time. Uh, But I always just felt like I related to Matt. And uh, you are about to see why we, although years apart, we really had similar like track paths and and ran in uh, similar circles. I, well, I think we both went to extremes just in different directions. I never uh, traveled with it. I'm being vague, but you're going to find out what it is. And in terms of a relationship in this one, it's just kind of interesting. Like we were really just breaking down and understanding a world that doesn't get talked about as much. So if we focus less on story and more just like world establishment in this one, uh, I apologize, but it was just fascinating. And I couldn't not ask a million questions but also reminisce about a similar time in my life. And it's funny because I don't know how much this film is about a relationship, except for a relationship with yourself. Like, and what I'm about to say has nothing to do with what Matt presents in this film. It's more of just a self-reflection. I'm not putting words in Matt's mouth. I'm speaking only for me. But it's um, it's almost more like a self-imposed like isolation in a weird way, um, you know, uh, and and finding out who you're not. I find that for me, the big marker for that was age twenty-five, and just you start to understand things like, oh, I don't need everyone to like me, and. Uh, you start to put up boundaries, healthy boundaries. And and this is really an exploration back into my early 20s and teen years of just like, no one really teaches you about healthy anger. And I, I think there is a difference, uh, you know, because anger is a defense mechanism. Anger is you putting up boundaries to protect yourself. I think the difference and some biblical scholars would argue that uh, where anger becomes a sin is then when you react in anger, like revenge or something like that. Uh, And I, I just realized as a teen, like I had so much isolation and anger that didn't get dealt with. And I couldn't find a way for someone to teach me about that at all. Um, And a lot of what happens is you 
end up finding other people, the people who notice are probably people that had similar childhoods and upbringings and things. And so you get um, acknowledged and you get the sense of family. But I think it's with people that are don't necessarily have any solutions. They have good intentions, but it just like just looking back on it, it's a lot of uh, extreme isolation uh, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm grateful for that time. It taught me a lot. But I also just, I feel for that kid and, uh, and what he was going through. And I think that in later years, I tried to quell that anger and push it down. And that wasn't really the thing to do either, because I'm so grateful that now, and I've probably only started parsing through this in the last four years, that I can differentiate healthy and unhealthy anger. And I'm starting to lay down boundaries like, uh, like, uh, it's some sort of soccer sports guy, you know, they have those lines on the various sports fields or ice. Those are, those are good boundaries. That's a sports analogy. I'm a sports guy now. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. You're all very impressed. But um, yeah, it just really made me think of uh, a very specific time in my life. And I think, like, honestly, how I'm choosing these guests a lot is just subconsciously going, what am I going through right now? What do I need to reflect on? And who would have some insight on that? And Matt's kind of the perfect person. And we still manage to keep it light and fun. But if you haven't seen the photo of the newspaper that Matt sent me. I probably put it up on the Instagram. You should really check it out. Also, Matt's just a crazy talented stand-up. He's also part of Hunks, who we've had on before uh, with Tim Gray uh, from his episode. And so I'm just going to say download the sketch comedy album Mouth Beef. It's really good, and uh, you should watch out for it. And, uh, yeah, give me... Give me some feedback. Give me, uh, and you know, like and subscribe. But I'd like to know what it was like for some people listening to this, because um, I I'm still thinking about it days later, and I don't necessarily have any answers. But it's just, um, yeah, it's really in there, and it's it's a good one. Uh, this is a segment of society that never really gets talked about, so. Um, I hope you enjoy. Uh, I love this one. Some of the initial ramble, but hey, how are you, Matt? Thanks for doing I'm, this. I'm doing great. Yeah, my pleasure. How are you? I'm I'm okay. I was dressed yep. a lot nicer than this before, and then at the last minute, I had to uh, change my air conditioner, and now I'm just drenched in sweat. It's ridiculously hot here too. I no judgment at all. Yeah, I I have two drinks beside me. I had to turn off my air conditioner for this. 
Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna get into it. Don't worry. Yeah. It's only an audio recording. There's no oh, we visual don't use happening. The... Oh, so you don't use the camera? No, no, okay. no. Okay, no. I'm ditch this I don't have the light. confidence for a visual medium. <laughs> oh. So you have to do rumors tonight? Well, you get to do rumors to tonight? Do. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, I'm not on tonight. It's uh, we, They just reopened this week, and it's the roast battle. I was going to ask how, how long they've been open for. Right, yeah. So yesterday was the first night, uh, first battles. I won my round, and then nice. so now I'm up. Uh, I'm up again tomorrow against Garrett Jameson, actually. Ooh. So I got to write for that after this. I miss Garrett. Is uh, yeah, your loss is our game. Has Garrett talked about coming back to Toronto, or is he just there now? I don't know what his plan is. Honestly, uh, I I got the sense that his plan was always get back to Toronto once all the nonsense is over. Yeah, but uh, he seems to be sticking around for quite a while. I think like I know that he was doing a TV show here, um, but I don't know what the extent of that obligation was. So I don't know. Fair, fair. It's just weird that I only got to know him once I moved to Toronto. I knew Alex Atea a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't think I think Garrett had moved before any of us had started yeah. stand up, so there was really no way to really get to know him unless he went to Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is this would this have been your first live show back? Have you been doing any live shows? Um I did a couple of outdoor shows um in the springtime and eh, they're not for me. They are what they are, but, uh, this would be my first indoor return show. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I did yesterday. And, uh, it feels weird. It, it was your first back yesterday. Uh, first live one. I've done some zoom shows for charity. I got to do stupid fancy pre-taped as a video oh. format. And, uh, for an arts festival, actually. Oh, okay. Which was kind of cool, but yeah, it was my first time in front of living, breathing people. Yeah, and uh, how were the, how were the nerves before that? Y- you know what? It was just kind of all <laughs> over the place because, like, I don't know. I've been doing a bunch of therapy and stuff since Good. the pandemic, and yeah. and like. A whole bunch of things were just popping up when I was in there. But you know what was interesting was I was calmer on stage because I, and I mean this in a healthy way, I didn't need them to like me in the same way. Oh, yeah. That's that's where you want to get, right? Yeah. Uh, So that part was nice. But also there was just a weird moment where like (laughs) – I look down and all of the people in the audience are like 19. Like, yeah. And, and suddenly I'm telling jokes and they're like, we can't relate to you old man. Who's green day. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. I'm like, this is an interesting curve. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels that way. Uh, yeah. A year and a half off and suddenly it's, uh, you're in different worlds. It feels like almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean you've been you've been keeping up 
with like hunks and stuff like that. And you've been busy. Yeah. Yeah. Hunks, yeah. We sort of refocused and, uh, and got in, uh, sort of refocused into our podcast and, uh, got some, some great guests. And then we did some zoom shows, which is easier. Like when you're, when you're four people, you're just making each other laugh and, uh, it's a good time, right? It's your demographic, you know, right, your friends. Exactly. You so are the cool. target market. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah, we, uh, we kept ourselves busy in that regard. I did a couple of like zoom standup shows again, not for me, uh, but not that I was being offered a ton, which is yeah. fine. I, but yeah, it's a poor substitute for the real deal. Yeah. There's something about like, there's an inside joke element of being in a live room where you only shared this one real thing that happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's a huge part to comedy. I find that like, I'll still listen to comedy albums and listen to specials, but they need Mm -hmm. to be tighter for exactly that reason is. Yeah. Yes. The experience. Totally. And then, and then you got the zoom, you got the lag. And so then you don't have your rhythms all off. It's all weird. It's like, I feel like it's kind of, it's a conversation almost between like my side of the conversation is the speaking part and the audience's side of the conversation is the laughing and it sort of goes back and forth like that. You don't get that with the zoom. It's uh, I've been treating the zoom shows a little bit like comedy loser. Yeah. Like just an alt show. I'm like, what can I do here that I couldn't do anywhere else? And that way I don't get bored and, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, and then you don't lose confidence in stuff that you actually want to do as just normal stand-up. Right, right, yeah, right. And then I can call. do like PowerPoint presentations and fun things and work that oh, side of yeah. my brain. Yeah, that's a perfect idea. Speaking of uh, things I didn't know about people before stand-up, mm-hmm. the master of segues. That's, yeah. that's what I've been doing in the <laughs> pandemic, just doubling down on segues. Yeah, cool. Uh, so this, this pitch of yours, I'm assuming this happened before I know I knew you or else I'm a, a, a bad friend. Yeah. Well, no, uh, yes, it did happen, uh, before I started comedy at all. Um, and it's also a part of my life that I'm not particularly proud of, so I don't go bragging about it a whole lot, but. I mean, I mean, I know the the premise. I don't think it's shame, but do you want to just say your pitch, the little like three line write up oh, you sent me? Yeah, sure. Uh, sorry. Let me, uh, let me pull this up. So while you you're thought, figuring that out, yeah. I do have to say, uh, I'm trying to get sponsors. So is there, there any product that you would happily sell out for that you would just sell your soul? Uh, what would I sell my soul for? I, you know what? Yeah. Some sort of ice cream. I'm a huge ice cream ice guy. Cream? Yeah. Let's get that. Wait, ben and Jerry's or ben and Jerry's like a drumstick. I like, uh, no, no, no. I like to eat it with a spoon and I like there to be, I'm a big cookie dough guy. So if there's a cookie dough option, let's get that. Yeah. Let's get yeah, that yeah. in here. I'm a big uh, mint and cookie dough person. Ooh, a little bit like together or? Yeah, yeah. A mint cookie dough. I've never even heard of it. 
that's that's why you gotta you gotta go to one of those places where they you dictate the scoops. Oh boy. Okay, yeah, yeah I'm gonna do that. It's yes. good. It's refreshing. Yeah, I love mint. I'm a I'm a, I'm a big mint chocolate guy too. I love that combo. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Gotcha. Throw so you're getting, in there. So wait, are you telling me you're getting a scoop of mint chocolate and a scoop of cookie dough? Yes. Together. Yeah. The oh. Cadillac of ice cream combos. Yes, it is. Okay, I'm going to get that as soon as we're done here. Second only to Cherry Garcia, but I feel like that's that's a little bit too easy. Mm. Like that I'm just not, makes sense. I'm not a fruit guy. I'm that way with Slurpees and I'm that way with ice cream. I'm, I'm more of a chocolatey, doughy guy. See, it's adorable to me that you think that maraschino cherries are real fruit. <laughs> I heard a vicious rumor that maraschino cherries are, uh, are shipped cheaply because they classify technically as toxic waste. I don't know where I heard that, but I spread that rumor every chance I get. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Just with every cocktail you've ever had. I mean, Black Forest cake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Not a huge Black Forest cake guy. I don't like, I do not like the cherry chocolate combo. All right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Really, I'm really learning a lot about you yeah. right off the top. Yeah. You think you know a guy, right? Good, healthy boundaries. Yeah. Okay. So uh, do you have a particular ice cream brand or a particular... No, I, uh, I'm it, I eat foods like it's sort of like my coffee. I'll just, I'll take the grossest gas station stuff or I'll take a high end. Whatever's in front of you. Concoction from a barista. Either way. I love it. And the same with ice cream. Whatever happens with this, we're just going to try and see how many times we can work ice cream into it and then see if we can get some ice cream money flowing our way. Yes. Actually, and you'll be able to, you'll understand where all this comes from with the story. I'll eat anything and I have a good uh, sort of ice cream story to go with it too. So Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. We're off to the races. All right. So, so what's the, uh, what's the pitch? Okay. He thought freedom meant living free, but a run in with the police changed all of that. Now, He's finding out that freedom is taking responsibility for your actions. Oh, wow. Okay. Two things right off the bat. Mm -hmm. One, thank you for doing the movie voice. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Am I the only one who's ever done the movie voice? Yeah, and we're like 11 or 12 episodes in right now, and no one's done the movie voice, and Uh, it kind of freaks me out. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the obvious... Yeah, you're doing it wrong if voice. you're not doing it. Yeah, and then the second thing is in the description we need to cut out the bit about responsibility because a responsibility isn't sexy. You know, you get them in the oh, seat first, and then you make them learn. Right, right, right. So we're going to replace responsibility with uh, taking responsibility for his actions. Uh, Just put the word sexy in front of sexy actions. Taking sexy actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just 
spell action in a different font so it implies like a gun battle or a sword fight or something right. like that yeah well we yeah. can put all of this the tag the log line in like a an explosion and the explosion can kind of cover up responsibility there we go it'll literally cover over the word responsibility yes. yeah yeah perfect i love yeah. it okay. so this is because i want to get the terminology right Yes. You were you were not a hobo because no. the hobo does not have skills. You were not a drifter. Right. Or maybe you were a drifter. No, I still Because it was had, more of a town-to-town thing. No, I think a drifter is somebody that has no home base. Oh, I'm and sorry. I, a bum. A bum has no skill. The hobo mm. has some skills. Right. Yes. Is this what is this Stephen Pressfield? Who? What? Where did I hear the the? Anyways, yes. Bum has no skills. A drifter has skills and drifts along. And I was neither of those really. What I was was just like an anarchist punk who didn't really want to do anything for anyone and has a massive problem with authority. Right. I identify with this so much um i i don't think i've shared this with anyone but my therapist but uh there was a point in university where i kind of had like a gentle breakdown like i was fine except for this one thing of like i'm gonna join a monastery in the woods i'm gonna like fly out to japan and just yeah yeah meditate in a cave yeah and I sincerely believe that. And that's part of that is crazy. And part of that is something I would do for a while. Now, was this you were looking to go and practice meditation or was this just sort of like an escape? It was both. Yeah. <laughs> like if we want to talk about the denial, it was just an escape. Like that's, yeah. that's the tricky thing about meditation is you got to go, why, why am I doing this? Is it mm. to avoid life or is it to be more present in life? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I have one of my all time, uh, fantasies is to fake my death and, and run away. I actually, I even have a book called how to disappear, which is like a step-by-step how to like wipe all traces of yourself off the earth. I have thought about this so much. Yeah. What would you do? Grease fire. Grease. Okay. And then fire. So everybody thinks you're dead. And, and then what do you do? You just, I, I think I basically do the JD Salinger, like riding the boxcar thing and like, try and see if I can get out to Japan and in like a monastery or something. I don't just, want to be alone i want a completely different culture shock change mm-hmm. yeah 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 for me it was like i'd have a, a car hidden somewhere in the woods and then i didn't know how i never really figured out how i would fake my death but i would get in that car and then i would drive to some sort of rural semi-rural area like i don't want to be totally in the woods but yeah and then just work at a diner or something grow my mustache grow my hair right. out yeah yeah. Very much. So, so you would you would stay in one place? No, 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 no. I would I would drive to a semi rural area, but like 
way the ass out in right. like BC or something. But are you Me, looking for Manitoba a place now. to start over or are you just like walking the earth? Mm, yeah, kind of walking. Uh, the idea was, yeah, kind of walking the earth, more driving the earth. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah realistic. So like, what was yeah. your life before this decision? But yeah. So before, before this, I was, uh, just had graduated high school. I graduated in 1999. I'm 40 years old. No big deal. It's okay. What? Uh, and Do you moisturize? Yeah, I just recently started moisturizing. Look, I got a, I got lucky in a lot of ways. And my, my, both of my roommates are gay, so it was almost like a like if you're living here, we're we're you're moisturizing now. And honestly, <laughs> it's it saved my life. It's great. Hey, I'm not going back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, at this point I had just, uh, graduated from high school. My parents were kind of like absent, uh, and not really attentive. Uh, I didn't really have much going on. Like I didn't have much direction from my family. We were living in a semi-rural area and my dad and I were about to move back into the big city, Winnipeg. Um, you know, I had, I loved hockey when I was in like junior high and then the Jets left Winnipeg. And so I was like, I had nothing like that part was gone. Kurt Cobain died. So my favorite music wasn't being made. Like I had right. nothing. And oh, uh, man. I was the only kid on the playground at age seven that was like, why is everyone just playing kickball? Kurt Cobain's yeah. dead. Yeah. Don't you understand? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember the day. And it was shortly after I had gotten my first Nirvana album. Like I, I had just gotten into them. And, right. And then he uh, did the deed. And it was just sort of like this stillborn moment in my life. Because like I listened to In Utero every day on the school bus. I was new to this school. So it was like the soundtrack of me kind of like – being weird and on my own in this new environment. And now I was never going to get any more new Nirvana. So I was like, right. God damn it. Kids in the hall had also just stopped yeah. that year. Yes. Like where Although did all we the weirdos were about to go? Get brain candy. I, which I have talked to almost all of them about that. I like brain candy more than they like brain candy. Yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, yeah, we had uh, Kevin McDonald on the pod, on the Hunks podcast, and uh, he talked about how hellish it was to write that movie. But I agree. I love how they play every character. Uh, and I think, it, yeah, it stands up. I love I love the story arc. I, mm -hmm. I actually like the ending. Yeah, me too. I like that it's mixed and unresolved. It's just, yeah. Yep. Um. <sighs> Plus all that stuff you said about like your parents growing up, like you have no idea this is fitting so many puzzle pieces together yeah. for me. I'm just like, oh, this is why I like you. This is, yeah. there's a similar path here. Yes. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, I'm so sorry that all happened. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm so I, you know sorry what? that you relate to me at all. Something yeah. <laughs> terrible must have happened. But you know, um, what? like I mean, I mean, uh, you go to therapy. I go to therapy. Look, it, these are these are the moments that made us, and and I would never want to be right. anybody anybody else. 
to be quite but you're honest. you're six years older than me, and I thought you were younger than me, Matt. So clearly, uh, your therapy is working because uh, I am just aging like a like a leather glove left out in the sun. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, uh, I am pretty immature, and in a lot of ways, I feel like I am. It, it, I am actually about six to seven years behind where I should be at any given age. I find. I mean, honestly, if it makes you feel any better, I just think that's in my brain because uh, you started doing comedy after me. Mm -hmm, And like, I think you and I had met before you started doing comedy. I remember I saw you do stand up at an old cafe here in Winnipeg called the Mondragon. And that was around the time where I started thinking that I might want to do stand up. So I was kind of scoping out the local scene. That was like the first or second time I'd done it, honestly. Yeah. I remember, and I remember being blown, blown away by one of your jokes and uh, it always stuck with me. Oh, all right. I don't yeah. know what it would. Uh, it was a joke about hate- an alarm clock. I don't think you do it anymore. Oh yeah. The, the unisex alarm yes. clock. Yes. I could still, I could still bust that out. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, when am I going to get booked on a linguistics conference? You know what I mean? <laughs> when am I going to yeah. bust that out? Yeah. I did a joke last night about Victorian literature. And I'm like, I got two pops in the room and I'm just like English majors right there. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. 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 You got a, you got a niche. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's such a small niche. It's such a... <laughs> Yeah, like how would you build that? I mean, right? start start I, a show I just go on, on stage campus. and go like who else has mental illness? And then I just shout out different <laughs> medications and I see who yells back like, well, butrin, ketiapine, <laughs> Zoloft. <laughs> it's a it's a very sad but mighty group of people. Yeah, unifier. Yeah. Um yeah. okay, so that's where you're coming at. What was there a thing that just a defining moment where it just broke and you're just like, I'm t- casting off this society, man. Yeah, man. Nine eleven. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Look, that so, makes sense actually. Cause you said when you graduated. Yeah. So I graduated and I had nothing. So basically I fell in with uh, the punk rock scene, right? And punk rock is often very like tied to political protests and stuff like that. And one of the mm-hmm. biggest protest punk rock bands in the world is Propagandy from Winnipeg, right? So I got really into Propagandy and therefore I got mm-hmm. really interested in politics. And shortly after that, 9-11 happened and, and there were protests like every weekend. It was crazy and that's when I, you know, that's when I met a lot of my soon-to-be friends and we talked a lot about, you know, political theory and stuff like that. And we went to a lot of punk shows. And so that's how I kind of fell in with all the, the punk anarchists. Yeah, that was a weird, weird time to grow up because I was still in high school. And I remember mm-hmm. on that day, all the like misinformation, like I remember kids saying like, they've taken over the mall of America. <laughs> yeah, like, I think I remember that, that one be, too. Uh, a yeah. holding point. Yeah. And uh, 
a friend of mine too, who I considered the biggest hippie in the world. He actually like joined the army to go fight in Afghanistan. God, because it's the of hippies, all- man. Yeah. They lack conviction. He, he believed everything was happening. Wow. And I, I remember too, like uh, trying to get into driver's ed around that time. And then honestly, like our school was bigger than they had the facilities for driver's ed. So right. there would be people running to get into driver's ed and you just wouldn't, you just wouldn't make it. But I also was just like, oh, it's probably fine. It's going to be Mad Max in like two years anyway. <laughs> Gas is going to be the currency. And like, I honestly believed that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, I mean, and, I, and, and much like what was going on with you, I welcomed it. I wanted the chaos a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm getting like Nirvana punk. Yeah. But also some Jack Kerouac in there. Never read Jack Kerouac. Give me the Coles notes. Oh, just like, I mean, the two ones I like on the road and uh, the Dharma bums are just basically like road trip stories of beatnik hippies, like Mm. finding themselves on the road of America and experimenting with like, what is commerce? What is, you know, monogamy? Right. Oh God. Yeah. I, I will read this then. Yes. That is, that is very much it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I met, uh, I met a bunch of my, like I said, soon to be friends on the, at a lot of protests, at a lot of punk shows. And then it just sort of like, it became like, well, when's the next protest? Okay. Well, when's the next show? Okay. And, uh, and you're like researching how to like erase yourself from. Yeah. I mean, at this point I wasn't necessarily trying to erase myself, but I, I wasn't trying to make something of myself. You know what right. I mean? Like to me, it was just all about, it was just a lot of hanging out at punk houses and drinking and, and partying and going to shows and protests and stuff. And like the punk houses were crazy. There's always like six or seven kids living in one house at one rundown yeah. house full of I graffiti. used to party in an abandoned yeah. house a yes. lot. Yeah. And I was working at home Depot. So I had the middle steel toed work boots, which was yeah. great. Cause then I wouldn't get nails through my foot. Yeah. Yes. That, Perfect. That kind yeah. of thing. Shoes on always. Yeah. Yeah. That, which and is just, that's just safety. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was not rebellion. It was just practical. That's right. But I yeah. also like, I also wanted to be in the full punk movement, mm-hmm. but the curly hair and the fact that I <laughs> needed glasses really like narrowed the looks I could pull off. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're definitely a buzzcocks guy then. And, uh, yeah, the descendants- there's a, a big buddy Holly vibe regardless right. of yeah. what I do. Yes. And other people would have to vouch for me like, no, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's cool. He has, yeah. He's yeah. not the police. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a narc so much that why would he be a narc? Right. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. Of those. yeah. Yeah. He's a caricature of a narc. That's too obvious. Yeah. But even I remember starting stand up at the cavern and there would be fist fights there. Like I remember the early days when no one really knew that it was a comedy venue yet. And it yeah. was like, 
it was a punk club that did comedy on Sundays. Yeah. But yeah. no one got that flyer. And so like some guys tried to pick fights in the crowd and then they'd go off and have a fist fight. Or if somebody mm. had like a really bad set, someone might try and fight you outside. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, no one's trying to actively punch me in the face. I might be okay at this. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it yeah. still had that whole like anarchy thing, like people had thrown up in the speakers and you could still smell yeah. the puke. It's like a hole in the wall where you could see into the bathroom and like, yeah, this, this oh, is yeah. how I keep my punk aesthetic. Yeah. I feel like I remember that. I don't, I don't, I, that, I think the fist fights were a little bit before me, but I do think I remember the hole into the bathroom. That was nuts. Yeah. See, I never hung out. That's the thing is I, I never hung out with the punks that would have uh, shows in actual legit bars. I was, the shows that we went to were in houses a lot of basement punk shows and then a lot of like uh, community centers. And then a lot of um, there was like art spaces run by anarchists where they would have like art collectives running this art gallery. And then they would have a, a punk show in there too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel like the right. ones who hung out in the actual legit bars were they were the, definitely the ones who were picking fights with strangers and Yeah. Right. So di different, different vibes. And I mean, like I was going to the, like, uh, any of those shows at the old building on Ross, like the purple room was a very weird room. Very much like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because like it did comedy and it would do like improv workshops for kids, but at yeah. night crazy punk bands right. wanted yeah. the space and like, yeah. you know, you had to be careful not to like step on a rat or uh, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, yeah. trapped in the freight elevator or yeah. yes yeah exactly fuse yeah yeah because like i think we both know people that lived in there for a while oh and definitely it was not yeah. a livable space which is part of why that building got shut down yeah but that was the charm like it was almost like like living in these punk houses and, and in spaces like that it was almost like i can't believe i'm getting away with this you know it was like a harebrained scheme that was working and mm -hmm. like, and then like all we ate was not all we ate, but a lot of what we ate, we found in dumpsters, like just straight up dumpsters at the grocery stores and we ate good, man. It was great. And so, so yeah, here's the thing, because that's the jump for me. I didn't eat out of a dumpster. I saw some crazy shit and I did some dangerous stuff that if yeah. I had a time machine, I'd shake myself. Yeah. But oh, like, me too. so what the, the fantasy strikes me is like that. Yeah. Going from town to town, you grow a, a, a cool mustache. You work yeah. in a diner. Yeah. You maybe drive a motorcycle. Yeah. Don't talk too much. But like, yeah. what was the jump from like, hey, yeah, so we're going to go to the protest thing. And like, where did you jump from that to like, I'm living off the grid and eating out of a dumpster? I mean, it was all sort of like, it was all fueled by like this anti-capitalist idea that, you know, people shouldn't have to pay for food. It's, it's an abomination that perfectly good food is going to waste. And it is. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, you know, there's an environmental aspect to that too, I suppose. Uh, 
all of which I subscribe to very um, in a very surface way. I think now that I look back at it, I don't think I was a very committed activist or anarchist or anything like that. I think it was more just like belonging to a, a scene or whatever, having sure. that belonging that I didn't have. Right, like it was more of a lost boys yeah. type scenario as opposed yeah. to like. I know I'll make myself homeless. That will impress the girl I like. <laughs> right. Well, it kind of did, but, uh, uh, but okay, yeah. good. Cause I had that question in my notes uh, of hypothetical <laughs> scenes I want to see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was great. Like, uh, there was, uh, like there was this one time in the winter time when the shoppers drug marts freezers broke. And they, so they had to get rid of all of the frozen pizzas and all of the ice cream that they had. Like they just had to get rid of it because the freezer would broke, it would go bad. So they tossed it all in the dumpster. And one of ice our cream. friends, he just said ice cream yes. in the movie. And, and I believe it was mint chocolate and cookie dough combo. Um, there we go. And one of our we friends. We expect our check in the mail, Briars. <laughs> one of our friends stumbled upon this dumpster. It was one of the dumpsters that they frequented uh, and just saw this mountain of of pizzas and ice cream. So they brought over a bunch of pizzas and ice cream and then we went and got our own and then one of the other houses went and did the same thing. Like, it, like And it was the wintertime, so we just kept all this ice cream and pizzas on our porch and it would yeah. stay frozen. And then suddenly all the punk houses were inviting all the other punk houses over for, uh, you know, like dinner and it was always pizza and ice cream. And then we'd invite people over and pizza and ice cream. And it was just, we lived off of pizza and ice cream for probably a month and a half. It was insane. But it was just like finds like that. That was like, it's like, I likened it to sort of like, I don't know why I always did that. I always likened it to imagine somebody gave you a phone number written on a piece of paper and they were like, it's Wayne Gretzky's phone number. And then you call it and (laughs) Wayne Gretzky actually answers. That's how, that's how these finds like all the ice cream and stuff. It felt like you won the lottery in a, in a, in a sense. So it really was a group of you that did this or was it just at a certain point you were like, I'm going off the grid or, or they were like, we should all do that. And then you're the only one that actually did that. No, 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 no. There were the ones that were doing it before me. And I was like, Whoa, are you serious? You're doing this. That's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. There was that, there's the bread dumpster. There was a chocolate dumpster. Um, there's like a chalk, there's like a chocolate factory in, in the West end in Winnipeg. And, uh, people would talk about it. And I was like, I'm going to find this chocolate dumpster. And so I went rummaging around and I found the factory and I was like, Oh, where's their dumpster? And I went back there and I pulled out this bag of like chocolate shavings. I was like, fucking, I did it. I've, I've, I found the chocolate dumpster and I brought it home and I was eating it and it was like all full of dust and like, <laughs> you know, it was clearly floor sweepings. I was like, this can't be what, and then uh, like a, like a week later, somebody had a party and they had like actual boxes of legit chocolates that they found in that dumpster uh, oh, wow. for everybody. So I was like, but I was just e- eating the shavings because I thought that the floor sweepings, because I, th- I thought that that's what people were eating. Yeah. 
That's yeah. amazing. You're like outside yeah. Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, yeah, yeah, just yeah. children dumpster diving. Yeah. I once, uh, I once <laughs> went to, uh, my dad invited me over for dinner one Sunday night and I had this thing in my head where I was like, well, I should bring something. And I was like, well, there's a bakery about a block away from his place. I'll just look in the dumpster. <laughs> and I did. And there was a full on carrot cake sitting on top of it, uh, on top of the dumpster. So I just grabbed Christine. it. Like on, it was on top of all the bags in the dumpster, I grabbed it, brought it over and uh, I was like, yeah, I brought a carrot cake. And uh, he was like, oh, you didn't have to do that. That's fine. Uh, and then, but then I started to get scared. I was like, oh, what if it's rotten? So I quickly like ate a piece in front of them <laughs> before dinner just to check to make sure that it wasn't poison and it was fine. And then they looked at me weird, like, why are you eating cake like so hastily in front of us before dinner? So you weren't hopping rail cars. You were living in abandoned houses with different groups of punks. They weren't, uh, they weren't, a, well, okay. First I did hop some trains, but okay. that's right, a little we'll later. That. Um, they weren't abandoned houses. They were just like n- poorly kept houses with, with low rent and inactive, uh, landlords. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. And so, yeah. And sometimes we'd even pay the rent from dumpsters. We've found, um, we found what we called the money dumpster, which was, uh, it was a dumpster on the premises of a local brewery that had all these empties. So we would go and we would dig out all the empties from the dumpster and then return them to the vendor for money. And we would get like hundreds of dollars. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And also as someone that lived in a house during like university that would stockpile their empties, be like, it pays for itself. You need a lot of empties. We had a van. We had access to a van. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the great, great capers. Well, and I got to ask now, because you kind of brought it up. And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, um, if if you're uncomfortable talking about it, we'll edit it out. Ooh, also, I'm going to speak to Matthew, my producer right now. Mm -hmm. Matthew, we've been talking a lot about hiding our own identity. And I just want to know, because I always wondered this when I was thinking about, like, faking my own death. If you could look up if a grease fire would get rid of the teeth and the bones of the skeleton so that that could just be off the record. That would be great. I, I, I use my producer like Siri on my iPhone. So he'll, he'll look into that. Yeah. I don't think it would, but Hey, I'll leave that to Matthew. Well, I mean, I was a kid with just a simple dream. You had this, I, this idea as a kid. Well, like a, a, a junior high to, to like high school. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought about faking my own death. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. I I yeah. I'm I was going to parties in abandoned houses. Just yeah. like, you know what? I know it. I could yeah. get used to this. Yeah. And you now I know there was a chocolate dumpster, like Oh yeah. Yeah. I never really was able to capitalize on that chocolate dumpster. I stopped <laughs> after I tried to make chocolate milk in the microwave with shavings. Oh. That yeah, was disgusting. Yeah. I mean, even the powder 
The powder is risky. The powder is yeah. a lie. Yeah. This is Matt, and it is now time for an editor's note. Grease fires, while difficult to extinguish, are not known for their excessive heat. Animal oils ignite at 375 degrees Fahrenheit, whilst vegetable oils ignite around 450 degrees Fahrenheit. This is nowhere near the required 760 to 980 degrees Celsius or 1400 to 1796 degrees Fahrenheit. The best one could hope is that the human subject's body initiates a wicking effect. This is where the fat tissue ignites and creates a superheating effect, transforming bone to ash. Given your svelte nature and the requirement of a subject maintaining a similar body type, this is unlikely to work for you, Andrew. So you may seek want to seek other alternatives like disposal via a pig farm or perhaps extreme crushing. I would request that in future episodes you please refrain from inquiring on the disposal of human remains, especially while I am traveling because I am now living in fear that my hard drive and search history will be searched prior to boarding my next flight. This has been Matt Ardill, your editor. Thank you, and I return you to your episode. Yeah. So, okay. I'm seeing, like, in the Joseph... Campbell like arc thing or wait I I have to ask did your parents know to what degree did your parents know that you were doing this uh, my dad knew that I was eating out of the trash and uh, he was mostly just like just my mostly like just don't bring it over here <clears throat> um, so <laughs> that's why I didn't tell him that carrot cake was from the trash Right, right, as you do, the common yeah. courtesy. Yeah, yeah, totally. And my mom my mom had no idea, yeah. Okay. All they know is like, hey, you're about this age, you're living in a big house full of dudes, it's the same as mm-hmm. a fraternity or a... Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, for me, the house I lived in was, there was only three of us. Um, it was a smaller house, but yeah, rent was still radically cheap. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. that's a little bit more reasonable. So yeah, I mean, some of the other ones had like four, five, six people, seven people sometimes. And then there was always like some sort of traveler that was crashing on their couch from like BC or Montreal. Like just, it was, that was the craziest thing was that these punk houses all knew not only each other in Winnipeg or in their city, but you knew the punk houses in other cities. And so the the anarchists would travel to different cities and they would always have a free place to stay basically because the punk houses were just like, of course you can stay here. Yeah. That's well, yeah. And I mean like comedians, improvisers, they all do that too. Like I, yeah. I always think of like comedians as like carnies with a sense of responsibility it's true and the similarities were really striking to me when i got started getting into comedy is and now it's like 
if you're a comedian, if you're a comedian in Winnipeg, I know you. And if yeah. you're a comedian in Canada, we've probably met, or I know somebody who knows you. I know mm-hmm. that I can reach out to you and I know how to make that connection sort of thing. And it was very, very similar to what the punk houses were. So, okay. In a, in a Joseph Campbelly hero's journey way, I'm seeing mm. you like, I'm seeing your regular life. And then you kind of get called into this like magical world. You're seeing the benefits of all this stuff, yeah. but you haven't quite bought it in. And then, you know, you're meeting like other travelers that are like sleeping on your couch and telling you hobo tales, like, like yep. Obi-Wan Kenobi's, yeah. you know, yes. yeah. just calling you to adventure yes. to pass the first threshold yeah. into the unknown world. Yes. Like, was there a particular dude or story where all of a sudden you're like, that's it. I'm leaving it all behind. Uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time, I think was, so I had met her in, in this scene and we hung out, uh, a lot and then we started dating and she had already sort of been initiated into the sort of like hitchhiking train hopping sort of world so yeah she she was a, a the bigger influence on me in that regard yeah so how long had she been doing it like how did you guys meet uh we met yeah like i said uh like uh we met at protests at punk shows we just sort of like ran in the same circles she lived in one of the punk houses. I lived in one of the other punk houses and uh, yeah, just sort of, we were, we were always in the same places at the same time, you know? Yeah. Okay. Was she older than you or had no. she, she'd been doing it longer than you? She'd been doing it longer than me. She was not older than me, you know? Right. Yeah. But, but in the society, she was the. Elder, she was the elder, yes. Yeah, yes. She was the elder statesman so, for sure. So you definitely were trying to impress her. Okay. So was the fantasy then like a romantic, like riding the rails together? No, I've yeah, I've never really been that guy. I've never really been a romantic in the sense of like uh love, but I've I am a romantic in the sense of living that romantic lifestyle of, uh, you know, hitting the road, the open road, nothing, you know, nowhere to be. The world is our oyster sort of thing. Uh, so romantic in that sense, but yeah, no, it was never sort of like a, a lovey dovey romance thing. But is she the one that like convinced you to actually do this and try this thing? Yeah, I mean like she had done it before and so she had the experience she and and she lived to tell the tale and confirmed that it, it was all real you can do this so yeah. Yeah, she's the one that Were there were there actually any like good and I'm not even sure if this is the politically correct term but like the hobo stories Oh they all self-identified as hobos but I'm, I don't know if oh. that's like politically correct for them to, you know, I don't well, know. Because again, a hobo is a lifestyle. Homeless right. is a systemic problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This was in my mind. And yes. by the way, 
anyone please correct me on this. Yeah. Uh, right. Yes. I, going with that uh, delineation, yes, these were hobos, you know, kids who just wanted adventure for the most part. Not to say that they didn't come from uh, terrible homes or that they didn't run away from something, but uh, they certainly had community and and found adventure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was just all these fantastic tales you'd gather around the pull-out couch at Man. night. Yeah. Well, like I said, there was always travelers in these in these punk houses, and they all had just come in from the rails. They all had just come in from hitchhiking. Uh, you know, is it, it was nuts. They was used there a to specific have, thing? No, no, you go. Oh, they, you go. They used to have, uh, like in the anarchist punk scene, a lot of anarchists will make their own zines, like a little homemade magazine, and it'll be about like punk rock or anarchist theory and stuff. And one of them was uh, a guide to all the trains in. I think North America, but at least Canada, it was just like all the trains and all the times that they leave and where they leave from. So if you got a copy of this, you would know how to hop trains and travel around for free by jumping these tra trains. Did you learn any of the like symbols? No, truth be told, I only hopped a train once. Okay. Um, and never did it again. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna blow that out of proportion for the movie. Okay. Yes. Just oh, to be, yes. and also, if you could fight a bear, I think that would do really, really oh, good. God. If we could have like a revenant moment, yeah, that would really help us out. Yeah. Well, I've got shoulder pain now, so it kind of feels <laughs> like I got mauled by a bear. Just tell them it was from a bear, and then yes. everyone like, "Cool." Yeah, I will. Shoulder pain is cool now. Yeah. Yeah, I got attacked by a bear, and now I have to put a heating pad on it every night. <laughs> now I have to do stretches in the morning. Yeah, I sure do. Woo yeah, you and I are so, very, very similar. You know what I'm going through. The day I turned 30, I threw my back out. Like I was reaching from my bed to answer the phone for my dad calling to wish me happy birthday. Uh, I fell out of the bed, threw my back out, and I had to just lie on the floor for most of the day. Oh, and I'm like, no. This is what yeah. getting old is. Yeah. Well, I guess this is growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And and like my metabolism just changed. I couldn't yeah. just eat yeah. random things on a dare anymore. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. To anyone listening, if you ever want to go to one of those restaurants that's like, if you can eat the whole thing, you get a hat, like one of those. <laughs> <laughs> do it before you're 30. Yes. It's your best chance. Yes. Yeah. You should really be wearing a hat before you turn 30 anyways. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should have hat options. Yes. This will just help. Yeah. Sun, sunburn is no laughing matter. <laughs> Eat yeah. that steak, get that hat, and do it early. And moisturize. And moisturize, yes. If you've learned nothing from this, just moisturize. Yeah, that's so right. Going out, was there a specific thing you wanted to do or a, a place for your first trip? Right. Well, we were, we just sort of wanted to go and we had connections in Montreal and Halifax was that's, so that's the direction we ended up going. But shortly before that, we, like we had all been doing this protest called, uh, 
critical mass, which is where everybody uh, gathers on the last Friday of the month with their bicycles and just clogs downtown. It was sort of like an environmental I protest. remember this. So we were doing that a lot at the end of every month. And then there was some like military exercises in Winnipeg. Um, and so we planned a critical mass or a critical mass was planned. We didn't plan it. It was sort of planned yeah. uh, by who knows who. Anyways, uh, so there was this critical mass that was meant to sort of like clog up the area that this uh, military exercise was taking place. And there was some like confrontations with the police and stuff like that. And they, uh, they arrested a few people. And for like a month, it was just like, seemed like a nonstop like harassment campaign from the police, like they were uh, sort of, I would find police suspiciously parked out front of my work all of a sudden. They would pull me over when they saw me riding my bike and uh, and sort of like uh, demand to see the serial number of my bike, all this sort of stuff. So it was kind of really dicey at the time. And then at the end of that month, it was time for another critical mass and uh, I guess the police had just had it and ended up uh, sort of boxing the whole protest in and arrested a bunch of a bunch of us, including myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so then we all ended up uh, leaving the downtown police department uh, with charges like assault officer charges, obstruct officer charges. They were all bullshit charges. Right. Those are and the charges I, I think that, that's very relevant now and more it, people would be willing yeah. to accept it. Also right. preparing you for doing comedy around the King's head. Because right. Oh God. Yeah. If you wanted a, a direct, a corrupt cop shop, it was, it was right there. It, it was, was other places too, but that was, that was exactly where we got dragged downtown. And uh, some, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, some serious stuff happened. And then, so we walked out of there with charges and uh, I had a trial date set for, uh, it was, I think it was in September of that year. And so, or no, was it July? It was July, right? Because this happened in May. And uh, so I had to be back in Winnipeg for July. Wait, so you literally did this trip to be like, I got to go until the heat's off, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yes. Yeah. It really was in a lot of ways. It was sort of like a, um, it was sort of like a last trip before the, before things got serious and we had to go to trial and, but then it was also, yeah, like it was getting hot out there. Yeah, it really was. And and to be clear, this is heat that I brought on myself. This is not the kind of heat that oh yeah people no, experience is like- that is like systemic and and completely bullshit. This is me fucking with fucking with the police, and this is the police fucking back. Right. This is um this is more like James Dean style heat, yeah. like rebel without a cause, yes. like just punk kids, yeah, motorcycles. That, that was it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we hit the we hit the open road. We we hitchhiked. Uh, um, I think we we hitchhiked and we brought a tent. Mm-hmm. And I think we tented one night, 
one night and then and then we were able to make it all the way to Montreal. I think we only tented one night, maybe two. Well, then that's where the bear shows up. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. where you have to fight. Yeah. That's yes. the last chance for a bear. Yeah. In the parking lot of a Walmart. Unless you're just like <laughs> getting a bagel in Montreal and somebody <laughs> taps you on the shoulder for like honey mustard yeah. and it's a bear. <laughs> it's a bear. Yeah. 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 It was a salmon lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last situation. one. Yeah. yeah. Last one couldn't handle it. He'd had a <laughs> tough week and it was only Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, so we got we we made wicked time getting out to Montreal and we s- stuck around for a few days and that was that was really cool. And what's funny is the World Cup of Soccer was on when we were in Montreal. And I stopped outside of a cafe because you could stand outside the cafe at the patio and look in and everybody was watching the game. Like people were gathered on the streets watching the game. And I was standing beside this guy who looked like somebody that I would hang out with, like long, gross, black dreads, all black clothing, you know, metal t-shirt. And uh, we sort of stood together chatting about the game yada yada okay cool see you man and then uh when we got back home from this trip i walk into my house and that guy is sitting in my kitchen because he was friends with my roommate and he was now traveling and he was staying at our place and we we had no idea when we met on the street i just recognized him when i walked into my kitchen Oh wow! It was crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. Well, then he's the Obi Wan Kenobi right he's there. The, he has yeah. to keep like he's like your spirit guide through yeah. your. Yeah, he had like the single dread Padawan sort of thing right. going on. Yeah, or a Fonzie for anyone older who's just like I can't relate <laughs> yeah. to this to the Fonzie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of that was interesting, and then we uh, and then we hitchhiked further east to Halifax. Which uh, beautiful city, great city. Uh, would love to go back. I think I'm going to make plans to go back and see it non-dirty. But yeah, we stayed in punk houses in both of those areas. How did um, how did the punk houses in different areas change? Like, hmm. They were more the one that we stayed in in Halifax was called I believe it was called the Woosley Farm. All the punk houses had names, or a lot of them had names that they okay. kind of made up for themselves. Um, my thing here is I kind of need you to like be going on a series of adventures at different stops, and like I don't know, you fight crime, you find pirate gold, you sleep in a haunted house at right. some point. Okay. These are all just things I'm pulling out there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Pirate gold. Oh, if you could save a town in some way, maybe get an old mine working again, that would be nice. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll dumpster the solution to getting that old mine working again. Right. Well, essentially you're the lone ranger and yes. you're just going from town to town without thought of, uh, Thanks. And everyone's like, who was he? He didn't even use capitalism. (laughs) Yeah. He gave us chocolate shavings and it saved the town. And he gave everyone bicycles. 
Bicycles. Yes. Oh man. That's all I did was bike everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. See, and this is, this is why I wish it was a visual podcast because your calves are just insane. They're like tree stumps. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not even flexing them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, watch this. What? Oh my God. He just opened a jar with his calves. Yeah. Sure did. It wasn't even in like the nook of his knee. It was no. just the jar was too close to his calves and it exploded. Now watch this. I'll get the pickle out of the jar with my calves. What? And now my calf will eat the pickle. There's so much broken glass up with that pickle. And it's like your calves don't even care. They can't feel it. No, my, my calves have no regard for cleanliness of this place. It lives by, they, my calves live by their own rules. That's what the, that's what the maid is for, my calves say. <laughs> you I really, my calves yeah, you not took to, a 180. <laughs> you came back from like wandering the earth anti-capitalist and you're like, I'm getting a maid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I realized yeah. the error of my ways. Yeah, I want sleek silver everything. Yeah. Yeah. So what... Uh, Essentially, as you go from town to town, every town has to have its own vibe. So what were the different punk houses like? So or if you in, want to equate this to warriors, <laughs> like different like <laughs> gang tribes. Uh, so uh, in Montreal, they're very they're very like very political student types. Uh, so I guess their whole thing was uh, for the movie. I guess they would walk around with mortar boards on a lot and a dictionary under their arms. Right. Uh, so they'd be, yeah, they'd be like the, the warriors gang in Montreal. They'd be like the students and they've got the gowns on and, and stuff. And then in Halifax, Halifax, they were, um, Hmm. They were kind of, there was a lot of them in one house. Cause I think there was only the one cause Halifax is a smaller city. They would have been, what would they have been like? They were just drunk punks. So I guess for them, they would be, they would be, they would have martini glasses and. Oh, really? And yeah. Yes. Martini glasses and very dirty suits, ill-fitting suits. I picture sort of like an East Coast like kitchen party, but everyone yeah. has like leather jackets, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of actually what it was like. I mean, there was a ton of people there. I remember someone their like room was an actual closet. I remember knowing a guy who uh um and you're uh who he was staying in a house in newfoundland and again it was one of these uh punk houses and there was literally like he couldn't clean any of the dishes because the pile of dishes had been there so long that there were rats nesting in the Ugh, corner so God. if you went to go reach for dishes you would get bit and oh, then God. later i watched with nail and i and that's literally the first scene 
And I'm like, that really happens. Uh, yeah. God. Yeah. My house was just overrun with mice. It was disgusting. That's and also cockroaches. just a prairie thing. What's that? That's also just a prairie thing. Too. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a rat in Winnipeg. I mean, they must exist, right? But I've never heard of anyone having rats outside of maybe a restaurant. Yeah. No, I've definitely seen them since I moved to Toronto. But oh, like, God. I once saw I once saw a mother rat nursing on the side of the street in Toronto. There, yeah, that there was, was fucking uh, gross, man. If you remember that whole like, don't talk to a woman if she has her headphones in uh, campaign okay. phase of the Me Too movement we went through. Yeah. Okay. I'm standing on a subway platform, and this girl who has her headphones in. And and to be, she was on it. She was very cute, but that's not why I was trying to talk to her. Yeah. Rats were literally running around her feet, and she Ugh. did not see it. And I'm just like, excuse, excuse, and just like leave me alone, like turning up her music and turning away from me. I'm like, <laughs> I've done all that I can. She uh, seems fine and empowered, and <laughs> yeah. And and you didn't see how that ended. I I like I just got on my train and I was just like, <laughs> enjoy your rats. <laughs> so they were like dodging in and out of her feet, trying to play yeah, like the tag. The hole to get in was their main like rat hole, and it was almost like right against the the wall she was leaning on. Oh my god, that's and I'm like. Well, maybe it's better that I didn't tell her because she would only freak the hell out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I would freak the hell out. I was freaking the hell out across the platform watching it. Oh, she was on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because if you were right there, then you could have like – you could have actually gotten her attention. Like she, no, she saw me wave, and I was pointing. Right, but I yeah, guess but if you were standing beside her, you could have like leaned down and started pointing, and then she would have probably right. gotten the picture. And I assume from the distance, she just assumed like I was pointing at a body part that I liked. <laughs> you, your vagina, yeah, <laughs> legs. You yeah. have them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah oh man that's funny that's really funny can we also in reality it was just screaming rats rats everywhere (laughs) rats i'd like to upgrade uh don't talk to women when they're wearing headphones to don't talk to anyone when they're wearing headphones don't talk to me when i'm wearing headphones especially if they're nice or it's like clearly someone invested money yeah what are you are you wearing studios there what is that no, this is just um, – oh, shit. What are they called? Uh, they're uh, they're from Sweden. I will say that. Okay. And uh, But I like them because like as a person with glasses, you have to have very comfy headphones because mm-hmm. they pinch the ears the whole time. Yes. Um, but no, these are great and they have an extra hole in them too. So uh. someone can take their headphones, plug them into my headphones – and we can oh. all listen to the same thing. It's Ooh. it's great. Yeah. Oh, man. The drummer from Metallica must hate that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I assume as you're going from town to town, you're like learning things or having wisdom passed on to you or because the other thing I wonder also when you decided to go out on this journey is did you think you had any applicable skill to like, I can survive this? The only skill I had was I had maybe a thousand dollars saved up in my bank account and that was going to get me out of any jam that I encountered. Yeah. And I had no skills. I was not done university. I had no skills passed on to me from my parents. Nothing. I was, right. f- I was funny. That's what I would, I'll save the mind with laughter. Yeah. I'll be Johnny Harris. I'll go save town towns with laughter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, Will Rogers, Will Rogers too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look it up kids. <laughs> It is a very old reference to be fair, but I, I got raised by my grandparents quite a bit. So like uh, my pop culture barometer was right. always really off. Yeah. Yeah. You're just stuck like, in lost in space. <laughs> I was big on Twilight Zone, uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, yeah. and uh, Agatha Christie, Murder Mitch, Columbo. Columbo. Oh, I loved Columbo. Oh, yeah. well, Will Rogers wasn't lost in space, was he? No, no. That's well, Will Robinson. Yes, he was, but not that Will Rogers. Uh, Will Rogers was kind of like a uh, a cowboy style yeah. comedian uh, uh, doing kind of an NPR thing in the oh, like twenties and thirties. Okay, okay. Uh, he's actually Aboriginal and like his house is saved and all mm. that, but he's he's American and he just did all this political commentary and was actually very anti-capitalism too. Mm. Really. Yeah. I did not know that. I know. I know. <laughs> I just like to force knowledge on people and hold them captive hey, and tell them about Victorian literature. And I need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So as you were, were you having these like things of wisdom passed down to you? And I mean, what was I getting, Pat? What was, I learned that uh, the fountain in in the Halifax commons is full of needles and you shouldn't walk in there barefoot. That's what I learned. Just like McDonald's ball pits. Yeah. Ah, oh, God, I loved ball pits when I was a kid. That's right. That's ruined for me. And now, Oh, so unsafe. And now they're like heat treating them and it's just gross and weird. Ugh, weird. Okay. So you're learning yeah. different things yep. is because this would be stressful under any other type of traveling relationship. It's like, is this strengthening your relationship with this girl or no, I is mean, it look, making it tense? Uh, there was times on the road where the hanger would, would set in and, and it'd be a little tough going. And I wasn't a very self-aware person back then. I'm barely self-aware now. So uh, yeah, no, I was not a good relationship guy back then not good at relationships not that i was a huge asshole or anything like that but uh right i was very selfish and and not uh very self-aware so so i guess in this movie there would be a lot of tension we would ra- ramp that up there wasn't actually a ton of tension but we'll ramp that up for the movie well, and yeah, say there was dramatic tension yeah uh because you've opened yourself up to the road but have you opened up your heart that's you right know? yeah my heart if is- it were me it would be all kinds of like uh, ambivalent attachment stuff and mm. just being like distant without abandonment. You know what I mean? 
Right. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. My heart was not an open road. It was a cul-de-sac. Right. You get in there, but you're on your way out as soon as you're in. Yeah. One of those like share your world with me and like, oh, there, there is no like inner world going on. There's just what you see is what you get. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Kind of a thing. Yeah. And then years later, someone's like, that's not normal. I'm like, oh, I have to go to a therapist. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Amber. <laughs> I've, I've never brought, I wonder if I should bring that up in therapy. Like, are you listening to my podcast? Do you care about this relationship at all? Yeah. I wonder, I wonder sometimes if uh, my therapist is spying on me online, but I, I trust him when he says he's never seen or heard anything from me. Right. And I mean, that's kind of how I prefer it, to be honest. Oh, God. I don't like when anybody I know watches my comedy. (laughs) There is one Toronto comedian who every time I've left therapy, I always bump into them on the street. And I'm like 90% sure we see the same therapist, Uh, but I can never bring it up. Right, of course. I can never. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor-patient confidentiality. Confidentiality. Well, even just talking to them... Being yep okay yeah discreet about it talking to them i don't know if that's the thing that we can share with each other mm, right yeah gotcha because yeah. i think she knows where i'm coming from too it's the right. same house mm-hmm. yeah it's just one of those awkward ones so you're you're going along you're having this like romantic tension thing yeah you're learning about yourself. It's brought bringing you closer, but also mm. bringing the differences into play and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So, like, by was there a part of you that was just like, you know what? Let's not go back for the trial. Let's just keep going. Yeah, yeah. There was there was actually a day where I called my lawyer and I was like, "Do I have to be back on the day?" And he was like, "Yeah, you got to be back on the day. What are you crazy?" And then, so I was like, okay, I gotta, we gotta go back. But yeah, yeah, we were having quite a, quite a time. Halifax was wonderful. We were, I think we were contemplating trying to get to Newfoundland, but, but yeah, anyways, the, the trial date was approaching and we had to get back and there was no guarantees on the road, you know, hitchhiking and, and train hopping, how fast you're going to get back. We made record time getting to Montreal, but would it happen again? How, and I, this this is the problem is I have so many more questions for you, but like how do you have any like hobo related advice? Like top ten hobo tips for like riding the train and like window sills to steal pies off of and <laughs> barns you can sleep in. Like because I like when I worked in a, a playwrights workshop yeah. I just had to absorb other people's research. Yeah. And I remember a guy specifically writing about like sort of the 1930s era depression hobo code. Mm-hmm. And like he detailed all the symbols and right. what they meant. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't remember them. I don't remember any symbols. I don't think that's something. Well, you know what? Probably a lot of the hobo punks actually probably did get into that a lot more. There's um, different things like you can right. find little markings of like, this is a church that'll let you sleep here overnight mm, yeah. or 
Yeah. Like be careful of this place. It has dogs. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't know any of that. When like wisdom that I picked up was, uh, everybody was like, uh, if you're, if you're going to go inside the box car, which you shouldn't, if you're going to make sure that the door is jammed, like that you stick something in the door to prevent it from closing, because if it closes, you're not going to be able to get it open from the inside and you'll die. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one. And then just like, be very, very careful around the trains when you're walking beside them because you, you don't want to get grabbed. There was actually, it was really fucking sad. Um, shortly after we came back from our trip, um, there were some punks coming through Winnipeg on a train and one of them actually ended up losing the bottom half of her, one of her legs and then half of her other foot. Uh, because she's like slipped or tripped or something happened and legs went right under. So like, it was serious stuff. And like, that's part of also my life at the time was like getting involved in serious or doing stuff that was more serious than I understood. And like, yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, cause I can think of like, I used to, with friends, to save time, I would cut across abandoned train bridges. Yeah. And like, Ooh. that was so dangerous. That, yeah, stand by that me. wood what was so rotted. Yeah. And I'm named after someone who drowned to death. So automatically, I Whoa. think shame would kill me before I ever hit the water. Right. Was the just can thing. never know. And I had a, well, <laughs> not to glorify it, it cured my fear of heights. Right. But I had a fear of heights and I was just doing it to impress people mm. and it was not working. Yeah. Like again, from going to therapy, the times I thought I was maintaining and no one could see, everyone could see. Everyone can see. Always yeah. a mess. Yeah. Oh God. But I remember those house parties too. Like I saw a kid blow himself off the roof making a Molotov cocktail and he like <laughs> made the rag too short. And the only reason this kid didn't die is when he fell off the roof, he hit the awning on the way down and oh bounced off God. and it like slowed him down. One of my first kisses was while <laughs> trying to wrestle a knife out of a drunk girl's hand. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, did you kiss that girl? With a knife? Yes. Well, here's the thing. She It was her birthday, and she was starting to cut the cake, and this guy who was legitimately being an asshole to her the whole time had just finally said the wrong thing, and she was just like, you know what your problem is, and da-da-da-da, but where someone would normally gesture with the finger, she is, like, pointing Whoa. a butcher knife. Whoa. And she's just drunk enough to maybe not know what she's doing. Ah, yeah. So I'm like, hey, why don't we put down the knife? And she misunderstood why I was like touching her arm. She's like, all right, this is happening now. Yeah. And it's just like, it was my first makeout session ever. So I'm like, there's a lot to process in what's going on here. <laughs> I was just trying I'm to like, tell you there's rats by your feet. <laughs> exactly. This is a major theme in my life. So I'm just like, I'm trying to both be good at kissing somehow while knocking the knife out of her hand. <laughs> and in the middle, 
she stops. She goes, where's the tongue? And I'm like, holy shit, I better put some tongue in this or I'm going to get stabbed. <laughs> trying to right? put her into so a full Nelson so that she's safe. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. And I also remember like, because I was in the punk group stuff, this girl was wearing a wedding dress that she got at a value village specifically because the person told her that someone died in it. I'm like, that was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. A lot of that shit going on. That's great. Oh man. I could tell other stories, but like, I don't want to out other people for their mistake. Like I'll throw myself under the bus all day. But yeah. So there's, yeah, there's that. You didn't, you, I really didn't not, not in like a suicidal way. I didn't care what happened or I didn't. Mm. uh, Yeah. Cause it's just like, I was so bored with regular life and at least this seemed honest to me. Yeah, in a weird yeah, way. I can absolutely unite with that. Yeah, that's kind of how it felt, I think, to me too. Because even like part of the reason I liked the kids in the hall and I liked Nirvana was it just like it spoke of this like we're all walking around like something's normal and we're not saying the underlying tension. Yes. The whole yes. reason – I got into Nirvana is like my mother, who is a pretty conservative, pretty conservative family. Yeah. This one thing that she liked, she really liked Nirvana. Like it was just like Interesting. The, the anger of it. I don't know. was getting something out for her. Weird. So I'm just like, okay, I actually kind of like that. Yeah. Huh. Wow. That's awesome. So what do you, what did you go looking for? You know, what did you, what what did you go to find that wasn't real? What did you f- end up finding along the way? What what dragged you back to society? Where you're just like, you know what? Maybe some capitalism can actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, what did I go to find? Just yeah, I mean, cliches. It sounds just like some sort of acceptance and community. Like I wasn't ever I wasn't bullied in school but I wasn't not bullied in school you know like I, I was yeah, sort of like again same checking low, a lot of the same boxes I was like oddly like friends with some of the jocks because I could make them laugh I think but also they would not I was also not a, a cool guy to be seen with and so they would kind of distance themselves sometimes, but then there's other times where they like, they would be friendly. So it was sort of weird like that. So I didn't really have that peer group to latch on to. Like I made a couple of good friends in the last year of high school. Um, but for the most part, the junior high, high school experience was, I just was always searching for where I fit in. And then, so now I found these, punks who seem to like me we kind of understood the world the same way we're pissed about the same things we enjoy the same music so that's sort of what i went looking for um and that's sort of what i wanted to run away with i guess and uh but then with the uh 
with this trial is like, like you can't not go to court. Right. So yeah, I guess I just found that you can hitchhike and hop trains all you want, but eventually you got to come back home and go to trial. Right. What, was there a specific thing though? Cause like, I think it might wrap up really nicely if the, the last moment of the film is, uh, you have to like go up on the stand and defend yourself and like be like, Your Honor, I've learned a lot from traveling <laughs> this great country of ours. <laughs> like, I, I honestly can't believe you've never read Jack Kerouac. Yeah, it sounds like something that I should read. Or like, have you read Catcher in the Rye? I read probably a page in high school, but they were. See, and really- here's the thing: I realized I hated that book because I hated the main character because I think he wrote him too accurately. And Uh, I saw something of myself in him. I'm like, fuck that guy. Oh yeah. It's the same thing. When I read Kerouac, I've just sort of like, there's a part of this that's so naive, but that I am buying into and it upsets me. Yeah. 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 That was, that was me for sure. But so what was there a specific moment again where you're just like, oh, okay, I need to go back to to regular society. What what got you out of the life? Uh, I think I got just sort of bitter about everything. So like I felt like I wasn't being as supported, I think, from – the other anarchists when I was going through the trial, I felt like I was sort of like left hanging out to dry in some sense or another. Not that they could have really done much about it, but I don't know. Uh, Yeah. The trial sort of made me a little bit, yeah, bitter toward that scene, I think. And then that kind of festered over a few years. And then I just kind of, over a year or two and I just gave up, gave that up, got tired of it. Yeah. Wow. So got there was like the real disillusionment along this road. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, like to begin with, I thought that I was a sincere guy trying to change the world, but looking back on it, I was just there for, very surface reasons. I was just there to party and have fun and, and listen to aggressive music and read theory and philosophy. And, uh, which I, you take some good out of it. I still listen to the music. I still read philosophy. I, but yeah, I can't say that I'm the guy who, who is a dedicated activist. So, and I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk so down about it. I mean, some people go backpacking through Europe on yeah, uh, mom and dad's dime, you know, other yeah. people like do a retreat in the woods. Like mm-hmm. this is, you were the exact right age to be politely fucking up. It's almost how I describe it. Where it's just like, yeah there is a certain level of healthy, like you have to try and fail while you still have the confidence to try that stuff. Totally. Yeah. I would not do any of that stuff now. I, 
And it's because of, as you get older, you get scared. <laughs> you want more security. It's, I'm not even 100%. against eating garbage still. <laughs> like I, I was listening to an interview with Paul McCartney recently. And this guy was just like, so when you're composing like Blackbird or, or in the early days when you guys were doing these three-part harmonies and da 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 and he just breaks down all this music theory. And he's just like, well, that sounds very nice. I never studied music theory. Mm. I picked up everything by ear. And if I did any of that stuff, it was because I was young and too stupid to know that I couldn't. Like it was very yeah. much like beginner's luck. Yeah. I wasn't, not, I shouldn't say educated. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to do these things totally. or try these things. Yeah. And that's totally the beautiful part of youth. It's yeah. like, I think about trying to start comedy now and I'm like, no, that, that would terrify me. That would. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say like starting comedy was very much the same way. Yeah. You didn't know what lies ahead. You didn't know that you shouldn't start comedy. Because it's such a grind, such a yeah. like difficult, fickle, and unfair beast. Like life is. Life is not fair, and neither is comedy. Right. It it is tragedy and comedy and yeah. and all those things. Yeah. Uh, but it wakes you up. I think that's why there is such a disparity. Yeah in a weird way it keeps you present i Mm. just also like the idea of you going like wait a minute these anarchists aren't providing me with support a stable (laughs) base to rely on yeah is this what anarchy is is this what i've been doing the whole time i'm sorry you guys don't believe in the free market i was (laughs) uh, well i was led to believe yeah I don't think these people believe in trickle down economics. <laughs> it's Reagan people. <laughs> you sing about them all the time in your punk rock. Right. I mean, like, sure. Anyone can point a finger at Nixon, but he also started the environmental protection agency. And yeah. So I definitely like the idea of you in prison, just noticing like, wait a minute these anarchists aren't supporting me right now. Yeah. I'd also like it if instead of just politely going back, which good on you for doing that in real life, but I want you to almost get caught by a bail bondsman for like <laughs> trying to skip on your court date, but no one really cares because it's just like, you're not really a threat. You're just some punk yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. So you do have to like, be in a holdover cell for a little bit. Like yeah. you don't go to prison, but you're kind of in the drunk tank for a while. Right. Yeah. Well, they process everything. Funny story is that my trial ended up lasting longer than most murder trials. It was like two really? weeks long. Yeah. Our trial, I should say there was a couple of us on trial. Is it because there were so many of you or it was because we were, uh, it was because it was sort of like challenging traffic laws as they existed it like it probably ended up setting like a minor precedent as to how bicycles are viewed on the streets are they vehicles with all the same rights to access as motor vehicles right our corporations people (laughs) right so that could be that could be the win at the end of the movie is yeah 
is we finally won the right to ride in other lanes other than the rightmost lane. Right. But there's yeah. still the undertone of like police corruption is still out of power and yeah, oh, yeah. But here's your bicycle back kids. Yeah, it, it's a three-part trilogy. This is a part yeah, yeah. one. Yes. Clearly. Yeah. Uh This is fascinating. How how often do you bring this up ever? No, I mean I mean sometimes it comes up just in passing and but yeah, no not really. It's not something that uh and I'm overly proud of, and people sometimes tell me that I should talk about it in stand up. I, I don't know really how to how to make that resonate with regular people. They're gonna be like, "You're eating garbage on a train," you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, the, I, I yeah. Know. No, and I definitely have my own stuff. Oh, you know what? I just realized the house I used to party on. Yeah. Um, uh, Winnipeg people will know what I'm talking about, but it was on Langley. <laughs> Langley or Langside or Langside. Sorry. I live on Langley now in, uh, but Langside, Langside. Okay. Aside from all the chaos that was happening inside the house, it's just lucky I didn't get shot or stabbed at any point. Do you remember? Because my girlfriend's house was on Langside. Do you remember the address? Not particularly. Remember the closest intersection? Uh, you know where, you know where the Nygaard was Oh yeah, yeah on that yeah. side street? Yeah. I'm like, I'm such a visual person yeah. that I don't, I'm so bad at memorizing like street names that's and Broadway. stuff like that. Yeah, of yeah, Broadway? Broadway. Yeah, that's where, that might've been it the same. It was right around the corner from like a Domo station that didn't check ID so you could get mm. like uh cigarillos and stuff. Yeah. That might've been, it might've been my girlfriend's house. It may have been. Yeah. Wait, your current girlfriend or your, no, my then the one girlfriend. who, that's who took just, me on the road. That's just kismet. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a whole other side thing where like we went into the basement of that abandoned house uh-huh. for, Technically, someone had bought it and they were living in it, but okay. it was, they got it cheap because it used to be condemned because right. it got caught in a pot bust. But when you open the side thing in a wall, like a, a loose board, there was this uh, almost like wooden attache case and it had a a tuxedo in it, but like a tuxedo from the 20s, like I looked, they dressed me in it because it looked like I was the only one that could fit it. And it looked like I had just like stepped off the Titanic. It was Whoa. crazy. And it bit me like a glove. And I was automatic, like, I need to get out of this now because I, I assume I'm connected to a ghost. Yes. Yeah. Now. That is a haunted suit. But then there was also like all these materials for growing pot that were just left in the basement, like just random spare parts and stuff. Weird. Yeah. Oh it man, so, it was so weird. What a great find. Oh, I didn't get to keep it. I the like squatters' rules, right? Yes. But, this is just fascinating, Matt. Thank you, thank you for doing this. My, my pleasure. You, I so rarely get to talk about this stuff and get it off my chest and into on public you, record. 
because now this also, again, connects a lot of uh, missing pieces for me because I've always related to you really strongly. Mm. But I don't know how many conversations we've naturally had because I feel like our personalities are both like that. Right. In yeah. a sense. Yeah. Uh, but I remember uh, I was doing a show and your girlfriend at the time afterwards, I really didn't like the set, although the audience was filled with drug dealers. Uh, so it was tense. Okay. Whole other story. Right. And, and she was just like, you make the exact same face and you pace the exact same way as Matt when he doesn't mm. like his set. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's probably something yeah. going on. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. I'm also just scared of all the drug dealers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not good for the anxiety. Yeah. 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 Who's going to have that, that calm show? Yeah. Uh, there's so many side movies that could happen out of oh, all man. of this that we've talked about. Yeah. Yes. This is a franchise. Do you want to, how I normally end it, is we kind of talk through what you think the trailer for the film would be like. And my oh. producer will throw in like radio effects and stuff like that. Okay. But I feel like <laughs> Oops. it's almost like a juxtaposition of what really happened. And like there's there's part an indie movie in here, like a very much like into the uh oh, what's the one where the kid dies on the VW but into the wild. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or or something like that. But I also want it hyper extended with like almost old timey, like oh brother were art thou big rock candy mountain moments where like again you save a small town or, or you fight a bear <laughs> and it's almost like but that's a, like almost like you're the hobo telling the story on the pullout couch okay and each time you get to these other ones you're like but that's a story for another time and right okay yeah okay it's almost like we get to see like three generations of you <laughs> okay so I'm doing this and now. And you're always eating ice cream while you tell the story. That's how, that's your storytelling fee. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'll start that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just like, and again, we have the movie voice down. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's probably like, <laughs> you and a guy walking down a back lane, having a very like normal conversation while taking turns dumping in and out of dumpsters. Okay. Okay. So I'm acting out the scenes. Well, it's just like, if you could like scene paint it almost like, Oh yeah, we open on this thing. Oh, okay. I see. see this thing. We cut to like, okay. Okay. In fact, if it would open on like, you guys should be talking about how you would fake your own deaths. Okay. Yeah. So, well, let's start there. Walking down an alley, uh, just let's say three friends and we've got our bicycles and we're jumping in and out of dumpsters and we come up upon, uh, the shoe warehouse dumpster. And one of us is like, well, got to get some shoes. So I reach in and pull out what looks like the toe of a white shoe and it turns out that it is a discarded full diaper <laughs> true story and so <laughs> I throw that back and then we head to the, the we head to the bread dumpster and we pull out a bunch of loaves of bread and eat it right there right on the street. Like, 
Oh, I should get a cake for my dad. Yeah. I have like Sunday dinner to pull yeah, out for. Let's cake. swing by the. Yeah. They still have cakes. Right. And you've just got like a shopping cart full of empties as you go along. Yeah, that's right. And so then I, uh, I stop in at the parents and I bring them the carrot cake and then the phone rings and it's my lawyer. And he says that I have 20 days until court. And that's when I hang up the phone and I stick my thumb out on the street and hit the road. And I don't know how you want to like meet the girl if you're like holding hands roasting a pizza over an open fire in like a condemned house <laughs> or you meet in like the holding cell when you're uh, uh, after the protest or something like that right I think we would meet um, hmm how would we meet she comes I'm picturing in- like a punk Zoe Deschanel in a way, it's like that manic pixie dream girl, but she's gonna make you do some crazy shit. I think I I roll up to a dumpster on my bike and notice that it is has been picked clean, and I notice her riding away, and I'm kind of miffed, like who the fuck is this? And then I go to my next favorite dumpster where I get organic granola, and it's all gone too. And I see her riding away again. There she goes again. Who is this? How did she find mm-hmm. out all my favorite spots? She's ruining it. So yeah. I, I track her down. Or no, then I would then I would see her at a show later, and then I would have to confront her. Right. And the entire the every dumpsters. time you see her, like, who's that girl? And you keep turning to the person to the right of you, and it's always that same other hobo guy that you keep bumping into and you don't know his yeah. name it's just like i have no idea what her name is like who yeah who are you and like eh, it doesn't matter yeah yeah so then i try and gather the courage to talk to her but she's wearing headphones and right it does not go well and she can control the rats and she controls the rats <laughs> once i once had so uh a friend of mine had a rat that she would just allow run around under her sweater and it would just like shit on her and stuff. It was crazy, man. I I once lived in a house that had a mouse problem for about two weeks and then all the mice mysteriously disappeared and it turned out that across the street from us was a cat lady who her house had to be condemned because they discovered she had 120 cats living in the house. Whoa. And it took the police two days to get rid of all of the cats. Oh, man. Do you think... Like, it would be horrifying. That ends horribly. But that first day with 120 cats in your house would be pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah, just like, it's pretty furry. And just yeah. soft in here. Yes. That would be great. It'd be great for about an hour. Yeah. You know what the thing too is my roommate at the time, deathly allergic to cats. That's oh like my God. finding out you lived across the street from a hydrogen bomb. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's Chernobyl? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's across what the one street. of this looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you find this girl and uh uh 
I imagine you're like just cooking a pizza around a fire and just like, yeah, I'd love to just get out of here, but I have this stupid court day, 20 yeah. days, just yes. like, why don't we just go for it? Yes. Why don't we just... Yeah, I'm I'm cooking the pizza over the fire, and she's cooking ice cream over the fire. and Right. And then, and then we can just yeah. montage through clips. At that point, it's just easy. It's just like you're learning to hop a train. It's yeah. that awkward, like you're running, and she's got her hand outstretched for you to catch up. Yeah. Don't and let then you're go. like fist fighting a bear. <laughs> yeah, in line at the at the bagel shop, sandwich right. her bagel. Uh, and then it just like it turns out the ha- <laughs> the mine wasn't haunted the whole time. It was <laughs> yeah. just. Filled with canaries you thought were dead. <laughs> yeah, that's where they hide. That's where they faked their death and went to. Exactly. I know a little something about faking my own death. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, what a nice man. And he didn't even use capitalism the whole time <laughs> to yes. solve a mystery. And then, and so then now we need a change of music, I think, uh, to... Mm, something sullen and then we see a close-up of the judge's gavel hitting right and down and he's the judgment like, comes along he's not here well we need to find him then and then cut to a crane shot of an open road in a f- like that cuts through a wheat field and uh salisbury hills playing yeah and and i'm in the back of a truck we're in the back of a truck heading into the sun into the sunlight into the sunset but at the same time you're like shrouding yourself under a blanket because there's these cop cars going by and like oh yeah yeah there's a bridge yeah. coming so we gotta make sure we're not seen from above exactly yeah and a helicopter yeah it's a full manhunt yes <laughs> yeah yeah tommy lee jones is leading the manhunt and uh yeah no bicycles allowed. That's look for two people on bicycles. That's how you might. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the killer didn't ha- only had one wheel. And this then the oh. dumbest fugitive reference of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can edit that out. <laughs> well, it makes me think of the Peter Sellers, like the party where he's got that weird car with only three wheels. Never seen it. Never seen the party. I mean, I haven't seen it. It's a it's a good movie in a lot of respects, except that Peter Sellers is essentially in blackface the entire oh, time. Oh yeah, I think so I did if you recently hear about the that horrible blackface. Right. Okay. It's great as long as you ignore the blackface. Got it. <laughs> as long as you can get past that. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I just like. This is when it should fade into the title. And I, I have a suggestion for a title, but I don't know if you thought of one or mm. you had any notes on casting you'd like to make. Ooh, I want me to be played by Matt Damon. I'm a huge Matt Damon fan. I can see that as working. Now, do you want that as like hobo telling the story, Matt? No, no. I or- want current Matt Damon playing <laughs> an, an- all three. Uh, all three yeah like that embarrassing oh man okay american history x great movie but one of the most embarrassing things of all time is when edward norton tries to play teenage himself you remember that scene it is that is bad 
Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> he's right. Just, no. He's got he's got a backwards hat on. He's like, he's just not fair, man. Like, <laughs> it's the, it's a pretty embarrassing scene. They should have just recast him for a teenager. Right. Much like the party, if you just get past this <laughs> yeah, one yeah, yeah. Yeah. terrible thing, that's, that's not right. even the Nazism. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's a good movie. Okay, I'm going to pitch you a title. Okay. Freedom Diving. Freedom Diving. Freedom Diving. Yes, I like it. Yeah. That's like some some like Reese Witherspoon Oscar shit right yes. there. Yeah. What they were looking for was at the bottom of a dumpster. Freedom diving. And that dumpster was their hearts. <laughs> the, the dumpster, the body's dumpster. The heart, their heart. Yeah. We prompt, there may or may not be explosions in this film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 18A, rated 18A. I, I love it. I find okay. it relatable and Great. like, you know, normally we just went a rift more on some silly stuff, but you generally brought up a whole part of my life I'd never talked about before. Okay. And then just Good. a whole other world I had endless questions about. Good. Good. I'm glad, uh, glad that you got something out of it too. Yeah. Oh no, I could talk about this for another forever, but you, you have things to do. I have things to do. You know, Matt has to edit this thing while also figuring out how to best hide a body if you're <laughs> faking your own death. Yes, that's right. Uh, and that's how you truly abuse a friendship is by giving them homework. <laughs> Matt, I appreciate you. And if I ever need to find a body or or get rid of a body, I'm coming to you first. Great. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I will help you out. I have many shovels. Do you do you have anything you want to promote? Uh you can check out my sketch comedy group, Hunks, hunkscomedy.com, where Hunks Comedy on all social media. We've got an album out. It's called Mouth Beef. You can get that on Bandcamp. Uh, check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple, whatever the fuck and Stitcher everywhere. There's podcasts. Yeah. It's very good. I only invite people on the podcast that are doing much better than me. Uh, well, it's a shame based podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like this podcast. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. And, and to the audience, you know, uh, you're welcome for the profound experience we gave you for free. Yeah. Uh, we look forward to your letters and your money. Punch Up Your Life has been a stupid fancy production in partnership with Showbiz Monkeys. The show was hosted and created by Andrew Lazat. You can find Andrew on Twitter and Instagram as at ThinLazot, or check us out on Facebook at Punch Up Your Life. Theme music was composed and performed by Leif Ingerbritsen, photography by Tyra Sweet, and artwork was designed by Todd Graham. The show was produced, edited, fact-checked, and all questions and tangents were researched by me, Matt Ardill. Please remember to like and subscribe, and leave a comment.
Let us know which stories you'd like to see get made into a film or pitch us your own story. Who knows? You could end up being the next guest of the show. Thanks for listening. And remember, you are the hero of your own story. Story.